So, what is your choice going to be? What kind of runner are you? We're all running. We saw that last week. We can run from God. We can run from the idea of God. We can uh, sometimes find ourselves just running in life and unexpectedly run into God. Some of us, for various reasons, are wrestling with running towards God. Know who he is. Maybe we've said yes to him, but we're still keeping him at arm's length. Uh, We're trying to figure out maybe what that means. And then some of us are discovering or rediscovering a sweet spot that when we run to and with God, it's just, it's just there's, there's, a, there's a sanity to life, even though life is crazy. There's a peace to life, even though it seems like the world is more restless than it's ever been. So what's going to take for you to really articulate and think through how, what kind of runner you are, and then once you figure that out, What are you going to do with that? Last week we saw that uh, Jonah ran from God, and we realized very quickly that you cannot run um, from God. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. Eventually there is going to be a meeting, whether in this chapter of life or in the next chapter of life. Now, when when Jonah ran, he ran extreme. He ran outright. I mean, remember the map from last week? Uh, he was in Joppa, and he was supposed to go to Nineveh, which was about 500 miles away, and he tried to get to Tarshish at the end of Spain, which was about 2,500 miles away. That is a heavy, heavy runner. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? I, I know sometimes in my life, I've been a passive runner. I go through all the motions of being what a Christian's supposed to be. I may even go to church all the time. I may even crack my Bible a couple times a week or do something like that. But I'm still keeping God at arm's length so I can be running from him and be passively running from him. Now, this whole idea about Jonah... Some of us uh, really get tripped up when the idea of Jonah getting swallowed, not by a whale, it says a big fish. And so some of us can say, I really can't get my mind around that, I don't know what that is, and so then we can kind of check out from the story of Jonah. Well, I would encourage you that no matter what your take is on this, there's a lot in it still for you and me. So if you can't get around that, just put that aside and see how God interacts with Jonah. And I think you can find some good things. Now, for me personally, I believe that Jonah really got swallowed by a big fish. And somehow he was in that fish for three days and three nights. And one of the reasons I believe that is because of Jesus' own words. Uh, We read in, I think it's Matthew here. Boy, my... uh, I don't know if it's my thumbs are just dry and nothing's... Can you advance to that slide? Well, I'll just... There we go. All right. It's not showing that on my computer, so you're going to have to take over again. Thanks, LeVon. Jesus answered, Jonah was in the stomach of the big fish. In the same way, the Son of Man will be in the grave three days and three nights. On the judgment day, you people who live now will be compared with the people from Nineveh. 
Why do I say this? Because when Jonah preached to those people, they changed their lives. And you are listening to someone greater than Jonah, but you refuse to change. So right in that little, little few words, Jesus mentions Jonah. He ties what happens to Jonah, what's going to happen to him, about him being dead, buried, raised again. So to me, that, that just kind of, I can't understand how it all worked, but that kind of checks it off my list. I'm going to go with that with faith. Because again, when you start to think about Jesus, Jesus, if Jesus didn't die, was buried, rose again, we're, we're placing our trust in a story. That's what's possible to make our relationship right with God. And then our faith just comes down to some nice teachings for the way to do life. I think our faith is so much more. Jesus died, was buried, rose again three days later, and he ties what's going to happen to him as the son of man to Jonah. Uh, If that didn't happen, one or the other didn't happen, I I think it breaks down. Now today on the way out, you're going to also have an opportunity to pick up take-home communion. Uh, There's little baggies out there with little communion cups and all the things in there you need, little instructions, because again, when you celebrate communion, you're celebrating what Christ did for you and me. He died, rose again, and we celebrate that. So when when you're thinking again about Jonah, uh, Jonah really goes to the extreme. He goes down, down, down. He goes down to Joppa. He goes down into the bottom of a boat. Remember last week, the storm's going on, and he's able to peacefully sleep in the bottom of the boat. That reminds us that there can be times in our life when we're running from God, and we have absolute peace. Jonah was sleeping like a baby, and he was running from God. So beware, beware of knowing you're going in a wrong direction, but saying, I've got peace, so God must be okay with it in my case. He, he wasn't. And we saw that last week. So as we start to think and unpack uh, the prayer, we need to start with this. And this is a great, great, great thing. It's never too late to pray. Never too late. Jonah is in that big fish at the bottom of the ocean, and he starts praying. It's never too late. So no matter where you're at, no matter how you've run from God, maybe inside, outside, whatever you've done, there's it's never too late to pray from God. And like I said, you know, I had been at one time in my life a passive runner. When I uh, was 12 years old, actually, I went out to breakfast with my pastor, Pastor Moyer at the time. And uh, we went to the Agawam Dinah, and I love that. I've told you about that before. It's uh, these cheeseburgers. If you turn them on the side, there's so much grease and goodness in there. It drips over your French fries. Forget putting gravy on your French fries. Just get one of those cheeseburgers. I used to get two, and uh, oh, 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 they were delicious. So anyway, we were at the diner, and and he started talking, and I said, you know, uh, Pastor Moyer, uh, you know, I think that God may be directing me into some kind of church work. And again, I went to a little small church, so I didn't even really know what that meant maybe pastor or whatever, and um, sure enough, uh, you know, I, I went away from, went, got ready to go away from college, and I didn't really want to go to college, and I was kind of going through the church thing, keeping God at arm's length, and doing all the right things, and my dad, I loved not being going to college at the time, and I had access to a car, and I had a girlfriend, and I had a job, so life was pretty good for this guy, and so I'm like, why do I want to go to college and go to school and all that? Dad said, I have to go. I have to go one year at least. He would pay for it. And so I uh, 
Found out my buddy was going to the school in Virginia. It was a Christian school, and off I went. And again, so on the outside, it looks like I'm running towards God, but inside, I'm really running against him. And it's interesting, I now reflect back to that time, and really what caught my heart, what caught my heart, even though outside it looked like I was running with God, inside I wasn't, what really caught my heart is I had purposed that when I got to school, the first day I was there on campus, I would actually start praying. Up until that time, from probably... I don't know, it might have even been May. I had purposed in my heart that my relationship with God, I was just putting it on hold. I kept doing all the church things, but it was on hold. But when I got to college, I guess it was a Christian college, and I had to figure out what my faith really is going to, how it's going to steer my life at some point. So I kind of wanted to keep on the edges of it, so I purposed to do that. And it's amazing. I started that first uh, day there, and all of a sudden, God started grabbing my heart. And so for me, I can even look back to that Agawam Diner, and on my desk at home, uh, this is my desk at home, I have a little thing from the Agawam Diner that I keep on there, so anytime I feel like running from being a pastor, I see that, and I remember that at 12 years old, it was kind of stirring on my heart when I was close to God, and it keeps as a reminder to me. So as we're thinking about this, it's never too late to pray. Jonah's praying from inside of the... uh, big fish, and he prayed to the Lord his God, and we might think, wow, uh, God might just ignore that prayer. I mean, you've gone the wrong way. You're running from me. Uh, You've written me off. You don't want to, you know me, yet you don't want to do what I say, and so some of us might think, wow, if I was dialing into God, you know, I might get his voicemail. For those of us much older, we get a busy signal. Some of you don't even know what that is, but it's amazing that God responds, There's no static on the line. The service is great. And that reminds me of what happened to these two guys. Bronk. What up, TV? What do you think my next move should be? Give it to me straight. Maybe it's just time I hang them up. I got one word for you. Retirement. If you retire now, you're going to be walking on soft sand in a week. Just come to Florida and feel the wind in your hair. Retirement is like winning another one. Maybe I'll even join you. On a spotty network, this is what Tom heard. If you retire now, you're soft and weak. Just come to Florida and win another one. Maybe I'll even join you. Just go win another one. Like it's that easy, Kronk. Maybe it is. I still feel like I have a lot to accomplish. My goal is to win one more. And Gronk's coming with me. I'm retired from retiring? Mom! Where are my football pants? Don't trust big decisions to just any network. And I'm not soft or weak either. See, that's how it happens. You know, you were picking on me with um, whatever that other team is, but that's why Tom and uh, Gronk are down there taking over another team. But anyway, you don't have to worry about static on the line when you're talking to God. It's clear. He gets it. He gets what's going on in your heart. You don't have to worry about that. And what is even more amazing is that God answers us even when we are guilty. Think of the worst thing you've ever done. Not too long. Maybe a couple of things. Maybe a run in your life. You took, again, I took like four or five months off from my relationship with God. I was running from him. And just realize that God answers us even when we are guilty. No matter how far you are from him, he answers. 
We see this playing out in another passage in Psalms. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from the darkness and the deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. That is awesome. When you and I run from God, let's call it rebellion, when we rebel in small ways, big ways, God is just waiting for us to call out. He's waiting for us to, in a sense, get that relationship right. And immediately we start to gets a little brighter, immediately starts to snap those chains that have held us down. That is so amazing that God answers us even when we are guilty. So this morning, someone listening online, someone here, someone out in the commons, you inside may go, I've been, you know, keeping God at arm's length. I've been, in a sense, running. Even maybe nobody knows. Maybe my spouse doesn't know. Maybe my parents, my kids, they they don't know yet. But no matter where we're at, God answers us. Read on in Jonah. I was in very bad trouble. I called to the Lord for help, and he answered me. I was deep in the grave. I cried to you, and you heard my voice. What do you think he was saying? I think at first it was just, ah, 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 ah. You know, he's in the water. He's going down. Then it's, and all of a sudden this fish, blah, 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 blah. I think those kinds of prayers happen. I remember I had an accident a few years ago. And uh, I was, you know, I had a second that I know was about to happen. And my prayer was, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I couldn't get much out of than that. And boom, I was over. And anyway, you, some of you know the story. But, uh, you know, there wasn't big, dear gracious Heavenly Father, as I'm about to fall and break my back. You know, there was nothing like that. It was like, ah. And then afterwards I go, you know, because, you know, sometimes I feel a little sensitivity when someone just says, oh, God, like a, like a vocal pause. Like, hey, oh, oh God, wow, look, you know, like. I don't know, it just rubs me a little bit the wrong way. But so I, and when I'm doing that, I'm going, is this a bad prayer? Because I'm saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, you know. But it wasn't, I don't think. So here I still am. But the idea is that sometimes our prayers are not these big, majestic, it's just, oh. And, and I think God knew that, oh, God meant, save me, help me, I'm about to get crushed. I'm about, you know, I think he read all that in my heart. He's seeing what's going on. So I was in very bad trouble. I called out to him. In this case, I wasn't guilty of doing anything theory wrong, but I called out to him, and he answered. And uh, some would say that uh, the fact that I can walk today is an answer from that accident. So he replied, uh, this kind come out only by prayer. And the reason I have this verse in here, there's a situation where Jesus' disciples uh, get in a situation where they were dealing with some spiritual warfare, some demonic things, and, and all the other times when they would speak into these things, it was an easy fix. Stuff would happen, and the, you know, the person would be saved. But in this case, it wasn't happening, and they go to Jesus, what's going on? And he says, this one only comes out by prayer. There are times where you and I have to really get serious with our prayer. The ah is good, but sometimes it means that we need to pray deeper and fuller and more. And so Jesus is saying our prayers have got to be strong, have got to be full, have got to uh, be engaged. Um, I've told some of you the story before, but uh, the first, uh, after the first summer I met Cindy and I was smitten 
And uh, I was super in love, and I keep wanting to look over there because that's where she's sitting for a service. Give her a little googly eyes. Yeah, I love you, babe. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was in love, and I, I went back and, uh, to, li- to school, and they had a prayer room, and I purposed from one to two because after lunch I had this block before my next class. I would just go in this prayer room. Nobody else was in there, lay on this just empty bunk bed, mattress, and just pray about Cindy. Sometimes I did fall asleep, but most of the time I prayed about Cindy for that whole semester. And then a year and a half, two years go by, and now we're married and all this kind of stuff. And I realized that I had earnest prayer. Sometimes God wants you to throw yourself into the prayer to see that you're really serious about it, that it's not just a whim. Hey, God, do this. And I prayed. Now Cindy has to pray for the rest of her life every day because she's stuck with me. But that's another story. So this idea, again, Jonah gives us some characteristics when it comes to this idea of prayer. And one of the things is we need to recognize the cause of our desperation. Sometimes we're just feeling it. We can't articulate it. We just feel bad, and we got to slow down a little bit and figure out what is going on. I don't know if this is to be a fact, but I wonder if that was something that was going on in Jonah's life. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like being in a fish, gross, smelly, stinky, all those kinds of things. I don't know what that is like, but I'm sure it gave him lots of time to think, and he had to kind of like take inventory of his life. What's going on? He was a prophet. He was a man of God, but when God gave him a specific call, he went the other way, and you and I need to slow down and recognize the cause of our desperation. Why do we feel the way we do? We live in a world right now where some of us are feeling great uh, desperation. Everything going on with COVID, some of us are very concerned about the government, some of us are concerned about this and that, health things, all this stuff, and those are all valid things, but we need to find out why we feel so desperate, why we feel so low. Jonah goes on, you cast me in the deep water. It's interesting that he identifies God is doing this. We're going to talk about this a little bit later. He cast me in the deep water. I sank to the bottom of the sea. Everything was churning around me. I was engulfed by powerful waves that overwhelmed me. Then I thought, I've been banished from God's presence, and I'll never get to see your holy temple again. I was scared to death. Afraid I was drowning with, my, with water choking me and seaweed wrapped around my head. I kept sinking down to the mountains, the rise off the ocean floor. I felt locked in a prison forever. Wow. lot going on in there. All those feelings need to be figured out. It's like dashboard lights, warning lights. You see all those warning lights, something goes off in your car, and you go, what does that mean? What does that does it mean? And, and for most of us, our cars have got so many computers in it, we actually have to go to a shop, and they plug in and see what one of those symbols actually really means. I have a diesel, and my engine light goes on every once in a while. And the first couple times, I freaked out, go to the person, they plug in, and go, no, it's just that it's, it's got a hiccup. Just drive it farther, drive it harder, and sure enough, it goes away. So you need to know that. So the same way with our own personal lives, we need to see these little warning signals. We need to see what they are and see what they mean to us. Came across this funny one. Uh, This one was, uh, this one in a second, this was a a daughter was uh, stuck on the side of the road. Her car wouldn't start. And uh, she said to her dad, "Uh, Dad, uh, my car has this really weird symbol. 
Uh, here it is. She said, there's a guy, like, it looks like a guy sitting on a toilet or something. Uh, what does that mean? So, of course, she takes a picture of it, sends to him, and realizes it just means that it's cold outside, negative four degrees. So the bottom line is we need to know those single signals. We need to know what they mean in our lives. Rick Warren does a great job at parsing these out and calls us these causes of desperation. I'm just going to walk through these pretty quickly. Uh, first of all, there's the cause of desperation when I feel like I'm over my head. You threw me into the ocean's depths. Sometimes you, it's just we're over our head. We wonder why we're responding to the world around us, why we're responding to the people that are closest to us, why are we responding to the guy who's like at the checkout counter, why are we responding that way? It's because we're over our head. We need to go, that's why I feel this, and then we can start taking that apart. We can go to God and say, why do I feel over my head? What's going on? Another one is we feel like we've hit bottom. Sometimes life just, we go, it couldn't get any worse, and we're just we're just anxious and hurting and, and, and hopeless. So we, you know, we're after somebody, we're saying these things. Our emotional response to something maybe a little minor is just over the top. And we have to ask, ourselves, why is that? Why do I feel desperate? Where is that coming from? Maybe I feel that I've hit bottom. Also, we have to realize that we sometimes feel out of control and powerless. Maybe that's where your desperation is, being locked in your house for months after months. Sometimes we feel controlled, out of control, and powerless. Got to identify that. Got to understand that. What does that, what does that really mean for us? Feeling overwhelmed. Just, just wow. Sometimes, I, I don't know about you, but I just can't wait to get home and get to bed to kind of like shut my mind off and go to sleep. Because I just feel overwhelmed. I want my mind to shut off. I'm, I'm awake, and when I'm awake, I'm thinking about it. So I want to sleep. And sometimes I get a good night's sleep, and sometimes it's tossing and turning. Why am I feeling that? I was engulfed by powerful waves that overwhelmed me. Feeling uh, rejected or lonely. Sometimes we just uh, feel isolated. Because we feel isolated, we try to grab onto people's lives or, or, we, or, we just, or it causes us to pull back even more. Sometimes people are right around us, but we feel isolated, even though there are people that are close. And we wonder why we're behaving the way, why, what's going on, and it's because we're lonely. Then I thought I had been banished from God's presence. Again, another lonely. Maybe you think you've gone so far that, that, that you just feel like God will never answer your prayers, that, that you've blown it so much that he's just turned his back on you. Not true. Jonah shows it. Jonah shows you can run from God and then run to God. We also have this idea of remorse and regret. And I'll never get to see your holy temple again. He's regretting the consequences of his actions. And for them, the temple was everything. That's where God's presence was. When people would pray when they were away from Jerusalem, they would pray towards Jerusalem because it was symbolic in their minds that that's where God was. It was the idea that I'm voicing my prayers and they're going to him wherever they are. They're looking where the temple would be. And, uh, and we know uh, uh, that God is now with us everywhere, and, and we don't have to feel that way, but we can feel remorse and regret, and it can be just, uh, just take over our thinking. Also, we can feel uh, just a crushing fear. 
just fearful, everything, every story. We're watching the news, and I, I think you absolutely need to be aware. You need to check your news sources. I, I find that it's good to have three or four different news sources, one that's uh, more conservative, one that's more liberal, one that's in between, and just see what they report. You know, I think it's good to be aware of that. But sometimes we just are just overwhelmed with fear. Maybe there's something going on in your personal life, your physical life, whatever. I was scared to death, afraid I was drowning and water choking me and seaweed wrapped all around my head. Also, there's the idea of feeling trapped, just totally trapped. I felt locked in a prison. All this was going on in Jonah's life. A lot of things going on in our life. What do we do with that? Some of these things I think God brings into our lives, allows us to experience them. He doesn't, again, want to, want to uh, pay us back. He wants to bring us back. And, and some of this is a part of that process. Some of it is a part of our learning process. I, I, I don't even want to say this out loud, God. I know you're listening. I definitely do learn more in adverse times than I learn in easygoing times. When I get to the other side of it, there's a lesson I can sometimes gather. So thinking about prayer, thinking about running towards God and, and how he all does this. Reminds me of this little clip I've shown you before. Hey, I can't get in that thing. Why not? I'm afraid of them. You what? I'm afraid of the water. You're afraid of the water? You mean you can't swim? Give me those. Hey, And stop saying you can't. You haven't even tried. Now don't forget to move your feet. That's it. Okay, keep your arms going. Come on, come on. Feet and arms, both. Keep them going. I'm doing it. I'm swimming. You can stand up now. There. Now you know how to swim. We sang that song that talks about standing on the rock. Sometimes we're in the same situation. God pushes us in the water. We're just coming unglued. And the reality is when that situation is over, we find that we can stand. And we can stand on Christ in our life. We can stand on his love. So as we're running to God, we need to realize that we can always call out to him. We need to look at the things going on in our life and see how they may be teaching us, how they're trying to shape us. We also need to realize that we need to ask God for specific help. He wants our prayers to be real. He wants our prayers to have meat to them. He wants us to be engaged with them. Remember when we were teaching the girls how to pray when they were little? Uh, we would have a, we, they would pray before the meals, so we would have Monday was uh, Mariah, Wednesday was Hannah, and Friday was, Sa- uh, Friday was uh, 
uh, Sarah, and that was just, just the way we did it. And uh, even now when they come home and they're older, if it's one of their days, they say, hey, it's my day, and they, they pray. And uh, I can remember, though, though, teaching them how to pray, you know, you've got the automatic prayers, and I can remember the giggling when one of them would start to pray for a meal and say, now I lay me down to sleep, you know, it was just like automatic. Well, the reality is many of us, if we really took inventory of our prayers, not to beat us up, but how automatic are our prayers? Are we really engaged with what we're saying? And with that, uh, we need to be specific. From the belly of the grave, I cried out, help, you heard my cry. Jonah is very specific with what's going on. He's not quoting the Lord's Prayer. Of course, that wasn't back then. He's not doing all these things. He is engaged. It is real. It is coming from his heart. And we need to be specific and engaged with our prayers. Call to me in your time of trouble, and I will save you, and you will honor me. What's so cool is that when we call in our time of trouble... God uses that in our life, and on the flip side of it is then we honor him, we point to him. Our life actually, that situation had some purpose to it. We also see to fill your thoughts with God and who he is. Who he is. When I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. When you and I find ourselves in those places, when we find ourselves needing to run to God, we need God's presence in whatever storm we're facing. We need to fill our thoughts, think about who he is and what he's done for us and how he works in our lives. Got to remember that God's grace is guaranteed. You can't run so far from him that you're out of his reach. I don't care what you've done. And you're, you're great. His grace is never out of reach. Um, it's guaranteed. We read this about a group in um, when Solomon was dedicating that temple. Uh, this, is what he, this is what he says. He says, when all, any of these things happen, referring, turning our back on God, running from God, and people feel compelled in their hearts to spread their hands in prayer towards this temple. Listen from your home in heaven. Forgive and go to work on us. Give each, give what each deserves, for you know each life from the inside out. You're the only one with such inside information, so that they live before you in lifelong reverent and believing obedience. You see, God's forgiveness is guaranteed when we look to him. And then he does what each of us deserves, what each of us needs. When it comes to disciplining our kids when they were growing up, there was a little bit of a different flavor for each one. A couple of weeks ago, I joked about getting spanked, and uh, that was what I needed at the time. I remember when I was 16, and I was going to be grounded for two weeks because I'd been blowing off my schoolwork. Sorry if you're blown off your schoolwork, and now all of a sudden you're going to be grounded because Dave was grounded. But uh, I remember when I was grounded, I, I, asked my, I asked my parents, I said, can't you just spank me? My dad's like, what? Just spank me. Spank me for an hour. I don't care. Just use your belt. Just spank me. I just wanted an hour of pain, and I could go do my own thing. He said, no, that's not happening. <laughs> you're grounded for two weeks. And uh, that worked. So, um, I thought I became a scholar, but that did work for me to engage in that. So God gives us what we need. Grace is guaranteed. His shepherding our lives is guaranteed. 
Also, we need to realize that we need to reject false fixes and accept God's grace. Reject false fixes and accept God's grace. Jonah writes, those who look to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be there. Anytime I'm in that trouble time, and anytime all of a sudden I start leaning into something else, start leaning on something else, I forfeit the experience of God's grace. When my happy place has nothing to do with God, I miss out on his grace. When I think, man, if only this would happen, then my life would be great. I'm missing out on grace. I'm giving that item, that situation, more importance than God in my life. Sometimes we call that self-medicating. Sometimes we pursue something. Sometimes we just lean into something else rather than leaning into God, and that, in a sense, becomes an idol. I have to watch it in my own life that sometimes the gifts that God gives me, I start valuing them more than the gift giver. And all of a sudden it flips where I'm leaning on something, valuing something else more than him, even something he gave me. As Americans, I think, at least in my life, I have to really watch out on that. We've got so many things lined up. Most of us don't have to worry about what we're going to have for lunch it's, it's not that kind of a lifestyle. We're, we're, we're all set for a while, but we can start leaning on those things rather than leaning on the God that gave us. Paul talks about this idea of being the grace and the salvation and being born again and saying yes to Jesus. You've been saved by grace because you believed. You placed your trust in him. When you take that take-home communion with you, that is a reaffirmation of that. That is a remembrance of that. That's reminding yourself that you believe that Jesus gave his life for you and rose again. You did not save yourself. It was a gift from God. Some of us have been in church world just a little bit longer, have kind of buttoned down our life. We've got it pretty worked out. We're pretty straight arrows, and there's less of the other stuff. And we start to think that that that's because of us. We think our good behavior and we think our righteousness is is us. We actually become self-righteous, which God does not appreciate the Pharisees, Jesus, would get, they would get into it with either because they weren't just, they weren't righteous, they were self-righteous. We have to remember that this grace and the life that pours out of your life because of the grace that's poured in has been a gift. We also read, you are not saved by the things you've done. So there is nothing to boast about. God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God gives us new gives us new people so that we would, sp- would spread our lo- spend our lives doing the good things. And again, there's a response to that. And somehow Jonah had forgotten that. God had been good to him. And God wanted that goodness out to others. And this whole story, just think of God had just let him go to Tarshish. He, he could have done that. He could have said, okay, I'm, I'm done with you. I think he would have brought, raised up somebody else to take care of Nineveh. Sometimes I get worried that we as Christians get so comfortable doing our church things, even our good things, that we forget that there's a Nineveh all around us. 
And God will raise up other people, other churches to do that kind of work if we say no to him. And I'd rather be in on the story. Just think Noah, Jonah could have spent his life in, in southern Spain. Sounds pretty good. That's where he could have spent the rest of his life and missed out on having an effect on other people. Somebody else could have done that. Also, we need to realize that we need to express gratitude in advance for salvation, that he saves us. He saves us uh, that initial time, but ongoing. It is always something in the works. He's always working in our life, and we need to express gratitude before he works, before he does it, and that's what exactly what Jonah did. I will sing a song of thanksgiving, and I will sacrifice to you, and I will do what I've promised you to you because salvation comes from the Lord. This is before. And then all of a sudden, then God spoke to the fish and it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Can you imagine being one of those uh, people that were like sunbathing? All of a sudden, what, what just happened? And there's Jonah and all that. And uh, he would have been stinky and, you know, seaweed everywhere. They say that uh, being in the acid of that uh, fish would have probably bleached his, his skin, so he would have been, like, really shocking when he arrived on the beach. But it's interesting that Jonah sings and expresses gratitude before something happens. He, he sings. Uh, when uh, we had one of our daughters, uh, when we were, uh, you know, they were growing up, uh, she was just a happy kid all the time, and when we'd sit down to eat, and she enjoyed what we're eating, what was most of the time, she would actually start humming. So she'd be eating, and and really loud. And I was like, "This is kind of weird, you know. It's knock it off. Don't do that." And, and we kept. I kind of got a little worried about this kind of thing, even when she was like twelve. And I was like, well, maybe when she's out with friends, you know, they'll be like, what are you doing? And mm-mm. Well, anyway, even now, sometimes when she comes home, now she's in her 20s, it's mm-mm-mm. But that was a reflection of her heart. A happy kid. Just loved life. There was a melody that was singing all the time in her life. Likewise, you and I, we can express gratitude. There should be a melody just below the surface. I should be able to take a stethoscope and, first of all, find a heart beating. Sometimes when they check me, I go, did you find a heart? Sometimes I'm accused of not having one. But then when they find a heart, then all of a sudden they should be listening and go, hey, there's some music in there too. Because in my heart, there rings a melody. We, some of us know that song. Express gratitude in advance, knowing God's got it covered. Changes everything. Also, then he highlights the idea of giving things away, giving your life away. And I will sacrifice to you. You and I should be thanking God in advance by giving things away. We should be generous towards God. We should take the things that he has entrusted to our care, the finances, the resources, and turn around and give them back. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Also, there's the idea of doing what I've promised I want to say all of us have a mission, a general mission. It's the same, and we label it this way around here, making a difference in somebody's life. That should be your mission in life. How that unfolds, what that looks like should be different, will be different. But Jonah's saying, I will do what you've made me to do, even before he has been delivered. And it was like almost when those things came into alignment, God said, all right, you're ready to be delivered. I don't want to read too much into this. We live in a broken world, so things do happen that have nothing to do with us. 
But there are things, we saw it in Jonah's life, that we can create consequences for ourselves and for our other, others. And sometimes the mess we're in is because we have not, in a sense, run to God, processed through all the anxiousness in our life, and come to the place where we express gratitude in advance for salvation. Lastly, we need to seize God's maturing correction. We need to seize it. We need to enjoy it. We need to be thankful for it. God is doing what is best for you, training us to live God's holy best, holy separated to him. At that time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely. For it is the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Can you think of some place where you've been disciplined? Where you've accepted God's discipline into your life? He loves you like a father. He doesn't just write you off and go, oh, he's a mess up. He's a screw up. I'm not going to have anything to do with him anymore. I think if I was God and Jonah was mine, I would have said, okay, enjoy being in that belly of that fish. I'm going to let you in there more than three days. <laughs> and we'll see how you like that. But God is not like Dave Spencer. Isn't that great? He wants not to pay us back. He wants to bring us back. And so we should hold on to, we should seize that correction, be thankful that he disciplines us. Think of some of the things where you've been disciplined and you've changed. And now that is a part of who you are. And you don't have to mess with it anymore. Think of those things you were disciplined in the past and you let them kind of like fall through your hands a few years later. God wants us to be disciplined to correct us so we can be all who we need to be. You see, God brings us down to bring us up. God brings us down to bring, it up, bring us up. Jonah was brought down, but it wasn't to pay him back. It was to bring him up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the story of Jonah. In a sense, it's not an example right now to follow, but it sure does give us some warning, some understanding. Father, I, I just ask that anyone in this room that is just feeling the heaviness of life, that they would stop and try to decipher what that is, what's that source, and rather than running away from you, they would run towards you. Lord, we thank you that we can trust in you. We thank you that you bring things into our life to shape us into being who you intended us to be. Help us to embrace that, not run from that. Help those of us who are running, but nobody knows it. On the outside, it looks like we're running in the right direction. Father, speak to our hearts. Help us not to be callous about that. And if there's anyone here that's never said yes to you, in this moment, may they thank you for the salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of a life with you, and decide to follow you even in these moments in their heart. We thank you for the melody that you can create in our heart as we leave this place with that melody be there, and may others hear it, experience it, and then want it for themselves also. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.